You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal LA Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. Thank you. Thank you so much. It is so great to be here. Can I humbly ask for some help? Uh, before we get started, I have some handouts for everybody. If we could pass those out really quickly, and uh, we will dive right into our class. See if my clicker's working here. By the way, you guys sound great. Your singing is amazing. That is really cool. So I appreciate the worship team and getting us all filled with the Spirit before we get started. Amen. Awesome. So uh, I, I find it interesting that whenever a, a ministry does a series on humility, they never call me. But when there's one on pride, they, they call me up. I don't know what that means. But hopefully I'll have something helpful for you to share, to learn tonight. Uh, by the way, how many weeks have you been studying out this whole uh, book and studying out pride? How many days? A few weeks? Okay. Well, it sounds like a lot. But uh, I remember when I was a Christian about 15 years ago, I think when that book came out, uh, that was like my absolute favorite DPI book. It was like so convicting, so practical, and uh, it didn't tear you up. It really built me up. And I hope that was your experience with the book as well. Now, I want to apologize. I may have been a little uh, prideful in preparing tonight. I actually did not go back to the book and thumb through it. I apologize. So uh, I'm going to give my own best shot with my own experience with pride and, and learning and wrestling with it. But uh, tonight's lesson is called Adequately Loved. And that title will make sense in a little bit. But I want to start with a quote from a very, very smart man. Uh, can I have one of the handouts, by the way? Do we have an extra one? Thank you. I want to follow along with you guys. So... Egotism, it's a fancy word for prideful. Egotism is, I got one, is pathological self-obsession. How does that sound? You guys know what the word pathological means? That means it is problematic. It means that you are so focused on you that it is starting to create challenges, difficulties, sometimes crises in your life. Have you ever had any problems with your own self-obsession? Okay, if you haven't experienced that yet, then uh, just pay attention to the lesson. It's really going to help you tonight. But anyway, uh, no, but I remember when I, before I became a Christian, my biggest concern was me. And when I was my greatest concern, it turned out that I was also becoming my biggest problem. And I was becoming the biggest obstacle for really seeing and learning things that God wanted to give me, wanted to teach me, but I couldn't because of my self-obsession. And that can come in all kinds of different forms. But let's keep going here. It is a reaction to anxiety about whether one really counts. Now, I want to change our, our perspective here. When you think of a prideful person, what do you normally picture? You picture arrogance, right? You think about maybe someone looking down on you, someone who thinks they're better than you. I want to flip the script a little bit tonight. I want to flip that in terms of 
Can we possibly have compassion for someone who is prideful? Is that even biblical? Now, James 4 says something really interesting. It says that God opposes the proud. Correct? Does that mean God doesn't love them? Does God love prideful people? Yeah, he made them, right? Now, they're a little off and they're a little confused about some things. But think about that. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So, guess what? I imagine if God is opposing someone, I'm sure that's going to do all the work that it needs to do. I don't need to contribute to that. Meaning, I don't need to help God out on that one. Well, God, if you oppose them, then by golly, I'm going to oppose them right with you. Let me, let me add to your job. Because, you know, God, you're probably not doing a great job. You're probably not opposing them in the right way or opposing them enough. So let me add to that. I think this is really important to understand. Because if this idea is true, people that are prideful, they probably have pathology going on. They probably have some challenges in their lives. In fact, they might even have a lot of anxiety because deep inside they are terrified that they don't count. And guess what? Everything I'm saying tonight applies to us as well. If we begin to doubt that we really count, we're going to be susceptible. We're going to be vulnerable to looking at pride as an option. We're going to be looking at pride as a means of possible relief. Maybe I will feel a little bit better by making myself a little more important. And it won't work. It won't work. So I want to give you a visual that I think will help with this. Uh, Now, don't write humility down. That's the wrong word. I'm going to correct it in just a second. But oftentimes, now there's arguments for this, but I honestly have this opinion. I do not think that humility is the opposite of pride. I do not think that humility is the opposite of pride. Here's what I think is. Shame. Pride says, I have lots of value and you don't. I have a lot of value. I have a lot of importance and others around me don't. But shame is the opposite of that. Shame is, I have no value, but everyone else does. And the reason why I think this is really important is because nobody wants to, make up, to wake up this morning and make a decision. You know what? Today, I want to really do my best to feel as much shame as possible. What can I do today to really feel awful about myself? We don't normally wake up that way. But when we have this idea that pride is so bad and so dangerous, which it is, oftentimes we think the alternative is to go to shame. And I've got to make myself lower. And I can't have value. I can't have importance. Which means we're not going to understand the identity that God is trying to instill in you. Because when you understand how much God loves you and how special you are, guess what? 
you know that you count. And when you know that you count before God, what happens to your anxiety? What happens to prideful thoughts? What happens to temptations and struggles? They tend to get weaker, not stronger. So, I prefer looking down the narrow road in the middle. I think humility is the goal. It is the goal. And what is humility? It means I do have value, but so do others. And in Philippians 2, it even puts it this way. It says, in humility, value others above yourselves. Now, does that mean I need to have an idea that I have no value, I'm worthless, and everyone else has value? Is that what that says? No. It just says that, look, you have value because God made you. God put you in his family. God gave you a second chance. God gave you his Holy Spirit. God gave you forgiveness. Oh, please, don't have any doubts about your worth, your value. Of course you have value. But now, with that value, give it away. Give it away. Make sure when you go into a room that people feel more valued by having an interaction with you. And by the way, how does that feel when you do that? feels pretty good. When Jesus walked this earth, what did people feel about their value around him? Do you think it went down or it went up? I think it went up. In fact, people in that day where society said, you have no value anymore. In fact, you are a worthless citizen. Jesus came around and said, oh, actually, you've got it wrong. These people have tremendous value. In fact, I came here to help them. Right? That's where Jesus was at. Looking further, it is a form, talking about pride again, it is a form of acute self-consciousness and can be prevented and healed only by the experience of being adequately loved. By the way, that's... uh, the name of the lesson tonight, adequately loved. Does feeling adequately loved fire you up? Really? I I don't think it's really supposed to fire you up because I shared this with my wife and she's like, is that really the title you're going with? And I'm like, you know what? I think it's true. Because guess what? When we aren't looking to be adequately loved, you know what we want? We want to be just supremely I want to be I want to be so loved I want to feel like the most special the most important person on earth and when we have that goal we miss all the deposits that God gives you in every moment of your day when you woke up this morning and opened your eyes you were being adequately loved Did anyone have a meal today? Yeah. When you ate today, when you had access to food, guess what? You were being adequately loved. See, the thing is, when I don't value being adequately loved by God, 
I end up wanting more. Well, yeah, thanks for my health. Yeah, yeah, thank you for food. And yeah, 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 I'm glad I got a roof over my bed, over my head. But I need more. I need something else. And it's a trick. It's a deceit. And this is where I think Satan gets us. If I can just convince them that being adequately loved is not enough, they're going to be in turmoil every single day. And they're not going to believe that God adores them and that God loves them. They'll lose connection with that. So, I like this idea that pride can be prevented and healed. But we need to receive and we need to give adequate love. Okay. What does pride and humility have in com- or pride and shame have in common? Fear. People that are in shame, they are terrified of being known or being seen by other people. I remember there were stages in my life where my life was so out of control, so reckless. I had sexual morality. I had drunkenness. I had deceit was just like a just a daily thing, a daily habit. I, I just could not be honest about much of anything in my life. And all of that was about I was terrified of being known. I didn't want people to know who I was. I didn't want people to know what I do or what I think. Shame kept me unknown. I was terrified of being known. Of being known. And guess what? Pride has the same problem. People that deal with pride, they're going to a sense of self-worth because they're terrified of being imperfect. They're terrified that they don't count. See, it's fear. Fear drives that. So that's why I love this verse. There is no fear in love, but perfect love, adequate love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. That's amazing. See, I used to have attitudes toward prideful people. Have you ever had an attitude toward prideful people? Guess what? That's prideful. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I'd spot it a mile away. Like, oh, that brother, man, he's too confident. Or, oh, I bet that brother thinks this about himself. I mean, I would put pride into other people's heads. And guess where it was coming from? My head, Right? And this is the issue where Satan has got a perfect plan. If I can get you prideful about other prideful people, just let the pride keep on growing, baby. Right? Now we have a prideful revolution going on. The whole world is going to be prideful. But what's going to overcome that revolution? Adequate love. Receiving it from God. Receiving it from one another. And giving that away. Giving that away. I love this uh, invitation from Jesus in Matthew 11. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, what do you think? Who is Jesus talking to? Is he talking to humble people? 
Could he be talking to prideful people? Did you know that being prideful can actually be very weary and burdensome? It can. I know in my life, some of my most weary and burdensome moments were very connected to pride. And I noticed that my pride, you know, peaked in those situations where I was either being the most hurt or when I felt the most fear. I was 22 years old. My parents had been married for 27 years. And I had been waiting for that divorce for about 20 years. In other words, I I, I saw it all the time in the house. I saw it in the arguments. I saw it in, you know, one person asking, where's the other one tonight? You know, when are they going to be home? We don't know. So I just saw this divorce in the making for over 20 years. And then finally it, it became a reality. And I remember my dad took me out to breakfast. We were just kind of having chit-chat. And then we drove back to my grandmother's driveway. And that's when he told me. He said, son, I just want to be up front with you. I have this relationship. And I'm going to pursue that relationship. And I'm going to be divorcing your mom. I didn't have a humble response to that. I had a very prideful response to that. Even though in my own life, even as I sat in that car, I'd already been guilty of deceit, sexual morality, drunkenness, you name it. I had all this stuff going on in my life. But in that car, I sat there and I decided, this is not going to hurt me. And I said, we're done. I never, ever want to talk to you again. See, that's that's pride. But it was rooted in pain and fear. Is this going to curse me the rest of my life? Am I I never going to have a a hope of of a decent marriage someday? I mean, what are the ramifications of this? I'm never, ever going to have my family that I've spent 22 years with. It's over. It's done. But pride was offering me a way out. Just make myself important enough. Let me elevate the thoughts about me enough where this can't hurt me. And guess what? It didn't work. Because God opposes the proud. But he still loves them. God didn't give up on me. But uh, he still opposed all the other things that I was dealing with. Or, excuse me, not dealing with in my own life. Now, a year and a half later, it's a long story, but I'm from Oklahoma, but I was in Moscow, and that's where I became a Christian. And there I became a Christian and realized, oh my gosh, I get the opportunity to forgive my dad and to ask forgiveness of my dad. And the first time I went home, I prayed. I just, you know, gosh, I hope it's going to work out great. And I called him, and I called him, and I called him. And we met. Or no, we didn't meet. I called him. I said, can we meet? I want to talk to you. I've got some really good news. And guess what my dad said? Sorry, I don't think I'm ready to talk with you yet. 
Any pride in that? Just a little bit. It was because I'd hurt him and he was terrified of what I was going to do or I'd hurt him some more. So pride kept getting in the way. Went back home a year later, did the same thing again. Finally we met. Sat down over lunch. And I told him what I'd learned when I met Jesus. And then I realized Christianity was no longer a theory. That Christianity was real. And I was prideful with you. And yes, I didn't like the things that you did. I didn't like the decisions that you make. And they had an impact on me. But I know that I've made decisions that had an impact on you. And I don't want a relationship of hurt anymore. So please forgive me. And my dad and I have had a relationship for the past 20 years. That is God. That is God. Amen. So, this is a very strange thing to understand, especially from a Christian point of view. Safety is more important than love. What does that mean? Well, remember, pride and shame are rooted in fear. And we just read that perfect love drives out fear, correct? But here's the thing. If someone loves me, if someone thinks that, you know, I'm just, I'm a great man and, you know, I, you know, I've done some good things in my life and they see value in me. If they see, I'll have all those positive traits toward me or beliefs about me. But if I don't feel safe with them, it doesn't matter that they love me. They, they can say it a thousand times, but if I don't feel safe, I'm going to be suspicious I'm going to minimize, I'm going to avoid, I'm going to dismiss. I'm going to do all these things. Safety is so important. Which is interesting. Did you notice what Jesus said? Those that are weary and burdened. What does he say? He says, come to me. And I'm going to give you rest. He's just just shouting safety. It's okay. If you're weary and burdened because of sin, come to me. If you're weary and burdened because of shame and toxic thoughts that you've had all your life that other people said and you started to believe and you put them in your head and you kept them there, come to me and I'm going to help you find rest. He says, I am safe. And every story that you read in Jesus' life, you will see that theme in every story. People around Jesus felt safe. And guess what? When we follow him and we learn from him, we become those safe people for this world. Because if you haven't noticed yet, there's a lot of people around you that are weary and burdened. And they need someone like you to say, hey, come to me. I I go to this church. I I actually read the Bible and I actually try to put it into practice. And guess what? I have several things to share with you that that will show you it works. Does anyone have stories like that? Does anyone here have a story of how the Bible has actually impacted your life? Okay, a little louder, people. So... You do have those stories, right? Okay. Awesome. All right, here we go. So what does he say? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am really frustrated and really tired. 
Oh, wait, sorry. And I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus says this to people with shame. He says this to people with pride. Just, just come to me and learn from me. And guess what? That is Jesus' invitation to us every single day as disciples. Come to me and learn from me. That is what we decided, right? When we decided to become a disciple, we said, I want to be a learner of the greatest man that ever walked this earth. And I want to learn from him for the rest of my life. That is an amazing invitation. Okay, a couple of great quotes. I even like how C.S. Lewis kind of phrases this. If anyone would like to acquire humility, I can, I think, tell him the first step. The first step is to realize that one is proud. Okay? How many here realize that you have issues with pride? Congratulations, guys. You've made the first step. That is awesome. That is really cool. Okay. But remember what we just said about safety, right? If you have people in your life, whether you live with them, study with them, work with them, have grown up with them, are growing old with them, and they have issues with pride, guess what? They are never going to be able to see that. Or acknowledge that if they don't feel safe with you. Do you know what prideful people do when they're scared? Do you know what I did when I was scared? I got more prideful. (laughs) I just went to more prideful thoughts. And this is why we have to be safe people. For a scared world. Because the world is scared. And all the things you see in the world, guys, if you really look at it carefully, it's all rooted in fear. I'm scared, so, man, I need to buy some more stuff. I'm scared, they need to meet, I need to watch more TV series. I'm scared, they need to go, you know, buy more things or get involved in more stuff. I need another relationship. I need another girlfriend. I mean, people are constantly striving for these things because... They don't have peace. Humble people have peace. Prideful people don't. So have compassion on them. Help them feel safe. Give them some adequate love. Um, I have a a clinic job on the weekends. I work in a a chemical recovery department. And uh, yes, thank you. I have some recovery fans. That's good. And uh, what's so cool is that this job for the first, like, four years, every time I went to work, I had these incredible, just painful knots in my stomach. I was terrified every day, every time I went to clinic. Because it was just really intimidating. And I'd go into these groups, and, you know, half the people don't want to be there. They're they're court-ordered or... You know, the job says you better go to this program or we're going to fire you. So, you know, everyone's really fired up to be there, right? And so I remember going in there and I finally realized, you know what? I think it's my pride that is making this job so hard because I know I'm going in there thinking I'm more than them. I'm not drunk. 
I, I, don't, I didn't get drunk last weekend. I, I don't have a DUI. And, and I just kept going in better than them. It was really frustrating. It was really uncomfortable. But pride was getting in the way. And finally I decided, God, I get it. This is not the way you want me to do this. This is not the way Jesus looked at people. And so I played this game, and I played this game every Saturday for the last probably five years. I go into that group, and I find the meanest, most miserable, most prideful-looking person I can find in that room. There's usually about 20, 22 people there. And I find that person. And I had this little secret agreement with God. God, help me find that person this morning. And I want that person, before they leave this group in an hour and a half, I want them to know that I believe in them and I see value in them. Do you want to know how that game turns out? It's amazing. You can't believe, I mean, it is the most joyful feeling to see somebody 6'5", 250 pounds, absolutely miserable, and then suddenly begin to smile. That is the power of humility. That is the power of deciding, because I follow Christ, I get the opportunity to put value into other people. It's amazing. So, everyone close their eyes and think about tomorrow. Whether you're going to your job or whether you're going to school, whatever you're doing, I want you to try to visualize someone that just might be struggling with pride. Do you have them in your mind's eye yet? Okay, now smile. It's hard, people. It's really hard. Okay, picture that person and think about tomorrow. What is something you can say or do to make that person feel important, loved, or that they count? Think about that. Okay, open your eyes. Now, how many pictured someone in this room? No, just kidding. I'm just kidding. It was a joke. Just bear with me a little bit, all right? Okay, here we go. All right, here's another one. Uh, pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next man. We say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good-looking, but they are not. They are proud of being richer or cleverer or better looking than others. C.S. Lewis, man, he rocked. He totally rocked. Can I tell you one thing I did on my bucket list? Have you got, how many here have heard of the Inklings? You know who the Inklings are? The Inklings uh, were a group of Oxford professors who met once a week in a pub. It was C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, I think... J.R. Tolkien's brother and somebody else, and they would meet in this one pub every week for like 30 years. And they would talk about, guess what? The books they were writing. 
pretty amazing. So I, on my bucket list, this happened two years ago. I met, uh, I was with my friend uh, Andy Fleming, and we were driving through Oxford. And I said, "Do you know where that pub is where the Inklings met?" And we found it. And I had dinner at the pub where the Inklings met. Oh my gosh, am I a nerd or what? That is so awesome. <laughs> I love it. That's cool stuff. All right, here we go. Now, what did Jesus promise? He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is he saying? He says, guess what? If you're prideful, I'm for you. I'm not against you. God's going to oppose you, but guess what? I still want to give you something. I want to help you. An incredible promise. And now, a secret weapon I want to give you tonight. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Oh my gosh. Wait a minute, Dave. Hold on. I'm having a hard time getting my 15-minute quiet time in the morning. What kind of teaching is this? Never stop praying. Guess what? It is very difficult. It's possible, but it's difficult to be humble, I'm sorry, to be prideful and pray at the same time. It can be done. In fact, Jesus has examples of it in the Bible. But it is easier to be humble when you are always praying. Will you bother God? No. He loves it when we lean on him. He loves it when we talk to him. He loves it when we think out loud because guess what? He hears it anyway. You might as well put it out there. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all good circumstances. Jackie got it. I heard it. Isn't that great? It's cool. In all circumstances. That's challenging. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Who here belongs to Christ Jesus? All right, guys. Sorry. This is, this is it. This is what he wants. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. Why? Gratitude is recognizing that you are adequately loved. Recognizing that you are are adequately loved. I've got this new habit now where when I'm driving in my car, I keep resisting the on button for the radio. Because, you know, it's, it's interesting. Hey, I want to know what's going on in the news. I want to be up to date, all this kind of stuff. But I'm resisting that. And I'm trying to never stop praying. And you know how you do that? When you never stop praying, you ultimately have to start finding things to be grateful for that you would have never noticed otherwise. Never stop praying. When you have gratitude, you will, you will be truly in touch with the reality that God does adequately love you. And over a while, you're going to realize, wow, it's way more than adequate. He profoundly loves me. But you've got to notice the adequate stuff first. It's the adequate stuff that we dismiss, and then we start wanting all this other stuff. 
that sometimes isn't really good stuff, right? Okay. Did I turn it off? Well, I'm glad I have a handout. Okay, here we go. So, uh, humbly moving forward. Oh, there we go. Get adequately loved. Do we have any ideas on how to do that? Gratitude, right? Gratitude. Try to find... Actually, let's just do it right now. Right now, take 30 seconds. I want you to think of five things that you were grateful for today. And can I give you one little difficulty? Try to think of at least one thing today that you're thankful for that you have never been thankful for before. Say amen when you're done. Okay, you guys done? How do you feel? A little bit better? Okay, multiply that by about 30, and you're going to feel amazing, okay? You're going to have so much adequate love, you're not going to know what to do with it. Now, here's the thing. I've got to give you a little therapeutic insight here. When you intentionally identify things in your life that you're grateful for, God has designed your brain in such a way that literal chemicals are released in your brain that make it work better and actually make you feel better. Okay? Now, if you don't, want, if you don't believe me, then take the next 30 seconds to think of five things in your life that you absolutely hate. And then see how you feel. Okay? Just give it a shot. Scream uncle when you're done. No, just kidding. Okay. But does that make sense? I mean, there's just, you know, that's just the way God worked it out. For some reason, our brains do this thing when we think gratitude. And I just love that because it just says science is actually doing us a favor by proving that the instructions of the Bible work and that they have purpose and that they have intent. That's pretty amazing. Okay, number two, adequately love someone who needs to be adequately loved. Now, you guys are ready for this one, right? Because you closed your eyes about three minutes ago and you thought of that person in your life who may struggle with pride. And tomorrow you're going to do something different, right? Say something, do something, offer something, just do something crazy That's how we become the light of the world. Because guess what? It's easy to hate prideful people. Everybody hates prideful. We all talk about hating prideful people. Everybody does that. But think about that as disciples. You know what? I'm going to give them some grace. I'm going to give them some love. I'm going to make them feel a little safer. I'm going to make them feel that they know that they actually count. And they don't have to work so hard trying to feel that way by being prideful. 
Okay, here's the third one. Okay, now uh, I'm going to stretch your Christian minds just for the next couple of minutes, if you don't mind. Uh, I want to teach everybody here today a contemplative prayer exercise. Okay, now first of all, can you describe to me what does pride look like physically? Like, what does a person look like who's prideful? So what I want you to do right now is turn, the person to, turn to the person to your left or right and just show them what you look like when you are absolutely, utterly just a prideful dog. Okay? All right? I won't look. Just do it right now. Uh... Okay, 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 okay. Okay, I'm I'm really concerned. Uh, You seem to have a really good time looking prideful. That's that's not a good sign, people, but whatever. Okay, here's the thing. Pride does have physical attributes. The Bible even talks about it. Haughty eyes. Right? You know, looking down upon. Right? So, pride has a physical attribute to it. What I love about what I want to teach you tonight actually has absolutely nothing at all associated with pride. Meaning, what I want to teach you tonight, I think, will actually help you, even physically, enter into a humbler state. And that's a good thing. Okay? So, you guys ready? All right. So, take your hands and put them down on your thighs. Palms down. Okay? Now, when your palms are down, you're going to express some things to God. And I'm going to guide us through it for a couple of seconds, just so we can kind of get some uh, warm-up. Then we'll do it on our own. But when you put your palms down, you're going to take a few moments to just think about things that you want to give away to God. Things that you want to give away to Him. Okay? Now, we're going to do this for real in a second, but let me explain the other part first. Now, palms up. Everyone put your palms up. Okay? When you put your palms up, you're going to communicate something different to God. You're going to talk to God about things that you want to receive from Him. Things that you want to receive in terms of perhaps fruits of the Spirit. Perhaps certain thoughts. Perhaps an attitude. Things that you want to receive from God in order to use for Him in your day. Okay? All right, let's practice. Palms down. Dear God in heaven, it is so good to be your kid. Thank you for being a dad that just adores us, loves us, is always near us. And God, right now, I want to give to you our anxieties. 
I want to give to you our worries. God, I want to give to you my insecurities. The thoughts that I give myself that create doubt in who I am and who you called me to be. God, I want to give to you my judgments, my opinions that I can value too much sometimes. I want to give away, God, prideful thoughts. I want to give away thoughts that look down on people around me. And now palms up. God, what I want to receive from you is security that I cannot give myself, but that you give in multitudes. God, I want to receive from you kindness towards relationships in my life right now that may be difficult. God, I want to receive from you joy that transcends any and all of the circumstances in my life. God, I especially ask for joy in situations that are hard right now or situations that seem very unclear and confusing. I want that James 1, verse 2, joy in trials of many kinds. God, I also want to receive from you peace. I, I Sometimes, God, just get so busy trying to get more done or, or stay busy. And, and I know, God, there's false motives in that sometimes. But, God, I just want to have a peace no matter what's going on in my day. And I never want to plan so much that I threaten the peace that you're trying to always give me through your spirit. And God, in closing, in the context of what this group has been looking at for the last several weeks, God, thank you for the opportunity to receive your humility. And God, that is so easy to fathom when we look at Jesus. A man so powerful, so profound, so perfect. A man that changed history. And yet, he modeled the most humble way that we can walk. The most humble way that we can speak the most humble way that we can listen and the most humble way that we can serve others around us. God, thank you so much for giving us him and giving us a purpose, giving us a direction, giving us teaching that Jesus wants to give us every single day. Father, we love you, and in your son's name we pray. Amen.
Thank you all very, very much. You've just listened to the Elevate Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.